Welcome to the Novice No Longer Podcast, episode 12. Coming up, what is an absolutely huge business opportunity that almost no one is taking advantage of? Okay, spoiler alert, this episode is all about sex. On this adult-only episode of the Novice No Longer podcast, we talk to Cindy Gallup, the founder of Make Love Not Porn, about the challenges surrounding sex tech. But first, I want to tell you about the podcast's sponsor. Now, this is not a sponsor in the traditional sense, because this is actually my personal web developer who I've been using for years and who built both of my mobile applications. And now, Planet1107 wants to build your application as well. They're based in Croatia. They speak perfect English. And best of all, you will own all of the source code for your application. They will also submit it to the App Store for you. And there is no charge for fixing any bugs because they totally stand behind their product. Now, if you have an idea, you can just contact them. You can get a quote. They don't even need any wireframes. They don't need anything else. So you can just send them an email. Now, I've worked out a special deal for all of my listeners. So if you mention the Novice No Longer podcast or go to the special Novice No Longer landing page, they will give you 10% off of the entire order, which is awesome. That can totally add up. So let me give you that landing page. It is www.planet1107.net slash NNL for Novice No Longer. And so go there. They have a submit form. Just shoot them a message, get a quote, and uh, yeah, maybe they'll make your application. So before we jump in, I want to warn you that today's episode contains both adult language and adult content, as is usually the case when people talk about human sexuality. But talking about sex is so absolutely important because it is a part of being human, just like eating and breathing. And yet it's something that is so often ignored or dismissed. To set the scene for today's episode, I want you to think about starting your own business and all of the challenges that you would face. Got it? All right. So there's a good chance that your list does not include things like opening a bank account or accepting payments or sending emails to your users. But if your startup has any relation to sex, those are things you cannot take for granted. Cindy's story is so inspiring because of everything she has overcome so far and everything she's yet to face. She is seriously paving the way towards a healthier conversation about sex and a world where revenge porn and shaming does not exist simply because it cannot exist. Everybody is open and accepting of everything. She is somebody that I really look up to, and I'm so honored to have her on the podcast. I know you're going to absolutely love this episode. So without further ado, I'm going to jump right in. Let's talk about sex. So hey everyone, my name is Dan and you're listening to the Novice No Longer podcast. My guest today is the founder of Make Love Not Porn and a vocal advocate for technological innovation in the adult space. For years, Cindy Gallup has struggled with the unfair stigma placed on any business that's trying to innovate in the adult sector, regardless of the fact if it's highly profitable and if there is a societal benefit. So now she helps other startups and businesses in the adult space do the same. So Cindy, welcome to the show. Thank you, Dan. So first of all, how did you get involved in the adult sector with what you're doing? 
So, um, Dan, I should explain, I'm not involved in the adult sector. I'm doing what um, many other entrepreneurs are doing, which is I'm turning something that I passionately believe in into um, a business. And everything I'm doing with Make Love Not Porn currently is a complete accident. I never set out to do um, any of this intentionally. Um, where, where Make Love Not Porn um, came from is that I date younger men. Um, they tend to be men in their 20s. And through dating younger men, I realized about six or seven years ago that I was encountering an issue that would never have crossed my mind if I had not encountered it very intimately and very personally, which is what happens when two things converge? When today's total freedom of access to hardcore porn online meets our society's equally total reluctance to talk openly and honestly about sex, it's the meeting of those two things that results in porn becoming by default the sex education of today in not a good way. And so I found myself encountering a number of, if you like, sexual behavioral memes. I went, whoa, I know where this behavior is coming from. And if I'm experiencing this, other people must be as well. And being a very action-oriented person, I want to do something about it. So five years ago, I put up on No Money, um, so it's very basic, um, a website at makelovenotporn.com that posts the myths of hardcore porn and balances them with reality. The construct is porn world versus real world. I had the opportunity to launch Make Love Not Porn at TED, and I took a deliberate decision to be very explicit in my TED talk because I knew that audience would not get this issue unless I was very straightforward. As a result, I am to this day the only TED speaker ever to have uttered the words come on my face on the TED stage, six times in succession. Mm -hmm. The talk went viral as a result, and it drove an extraordinary response to Make Love Not Porn. And the most extraordinary thing was not just huge amounts of traffic to the site um, from every country in the world. So it went global without my doing anything about it proactively. But every single day for the past five years, I've gotten thousands of emails to my Make Love Not Porn inbox, and they come from everybody, young and old, male and female, straight and gay, from every country in the world. And even before the actual site I put up, what amazes people is simply the fact that I stood on a stage in public, I talked about and I'm doing something about what everybody knows and nobody ever speaks about. And as a result, people feel able to tell me anything. They pour their hearts out to me on email. They tell me things about their sex lives and their porn watching habits they've never told anybody else before. They write for advice. 15-year-old boys write for advice. 15-year-old women write for advice. And it was the sheer cumulative impact of those emails arriving day after day after day that eventually began making me feel that I had a personal responsibility to take this venture forwards in a way that would make it more far-reaching, helpful, and effective. So, so what I decided to do was, I have to emphasize that Make Love Not Porn is not anti-porn. The issue we're tackling isn't porn. We're tackling the complete absence in our society of an open, healthy, honest, truthful conversation around sex in the real world, which if we had it would, amongst many other benefits, also mean that people would then bring a real world mindset when they view what is essentially artificial entertainment. Make Love Not Porn's tagline is pro-sex, pro-porn, pro-knowing the difference, and I'm very simply talk about it. Talk about sex openly and honestly in the public domain and talk about sex openly and honestly privately with your intimate partners. And so what I decided to do, therefore, 
was to take every dynamic that exists out there in social media currently and apply them to the one area no other social media network or platform is ever going to go, sex, in order to make real-world sex and the discussion around it socially acceptable and therefore just as socially shareable as anything else we currently share on Facebook, Tumblr, Twitter, Instagram. So, a little over a year ago, my team and I launched in public beta makelovenotporn.tv, which is a user-generated, crowdsourced video-sharing platform that celebrates real-world sex. Anybody from anywhere in the world can submit videos of themselves having real-world sex. And we explain what we mean by that. Um, This is not performative. So this is not about performing for the camera, but simply about capturing what goes on in the real world in all its funny, glorious, messy, silly, wonderful humanness. I and my team curate. We watch every video to make sure it's real. And we have a revenue-sharing business model. You pay to rent real-world sex videos, and 50% of that income um, goes to you, our contributor, or as we like to call you, our Make Love Not Porn star. That's what I'm doing and why I'm doing it. Awesome. That's, that's so important, I think. And one of the things that I found really interesting about what you just said is that so much of the sexual education in the world before this was really coming from pornography. And as you were saying, pornography is entertainment. It's, it's not an educating medium. And so... Are you saying that kind of what your goal with this whole venture uh, and expanding into the Make Love Not Porn TV is kind of reinvent sex education in a way that can relate to the younger generation? Um, At one level, yes, Dan, but um, we have many, many, many social agendas um, with Make Love Not Porn. And I'm very glad you're asking these questions because we don't get enough credit for for what we're doing in the media generally because media coverage of us immediately defaults to the sex and salaciousness and nobody can see beyond that. So, um, first of all, our end goal with Make Love Not Porn, and this is a very big goal to take a very long time, but if I and my team achieve our social mission, the ultimate corollary of success is that one day nobody should ever have to feel ashamed or embarrassed ever again about having a naked photograph or a sex tape of themselves posted on the internet because it's simply just the natural human part of who we all are. When you take the shame and embarrassment out of sex, you defuse revenge porn and you defuse many other things that have the potential to make human lives very unhappy. Now, the reason why at the start of um, this interview I pushed back on your um, saying that I'm operating in the adult industry is because... um, as I hope you're starting to understand, um, Make Love Not Porn is leveraging a number of the trends that we see in the digital and online world generally in order to address um, an area that very badly needs to be addressed. Silicon Valley welcomes innovation and disruption in every other area of our lives except this one, the one that needs it most. So Make Love Not Porn is part of the collaborative economy. We are exactly like Uber and Airbnb with our revenue-sharing business model, but nobody ever talks about us in the same breath because we're about sex. Um, You know, uh, one of of the things driving Make Love Not Porn is that um, video sharing is the future. And so we monitor every single aspect and every application that makes it easy to video yourselves. Um, And and, and so in that sense, you know, we are operating at at the cutting edge of, um, you know, one of the biggest trends um, in the digital world today. Um, We are 
Um, but, um, essentially, what we're doing is, you know, if you think about all of those celebrations of relationships that crop up in your Facebook timeline every day, engagement announcements, wedding photos, lovey-dovey couple things, all we're doing is we're providing a platform to celebrate that last era of human relationships that nobody else will let you, but the motivations and the social dynamics are exactly the same. And so, you know, on, on Facebook, in your feed from your friends, it's we're madly in love. And here we are on a romantic weekend in Paris, you know, photos of us kissing in front of the Eiffel Tower, eating in a French bistro. And on Make Love Not Porn, it's we're madly in love. And here we are. Here's that phenomenal sex that we had in that hotel room in Paris on that great romantic weekend. And so... um and we love the fact that, I mean, our members really get what we're doing. Um, one young man said to us, watching porn makes me want to jerk off. Watching your videos makes me want to have sex. We are like any other social media platform. We're about connecting people. We're about connecting people through opening up the dialogue around sex to get to better sex through better communication, to get to better lives. And, you know, the reason why... Um, I concepted all of this, um, and, 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 and this is something that people really, really don't understand, is that um, I bring a very unique perspective um, to the porn industry. Um, I bring a business perspective, and it's only unique because the people whose brilliant brains populate the pages of the Harvard Business Review have no interest in turning any of that brilliance on the adult world, and they should, because the things that worry people about porn today are entirely driven by business dynamics and therefore they require business solutions. So porn is like any other industry that I study as a business consultant. It's gotten so big, it's now gotten conventional. Porn now has norms and rules and conventions, which is why so much of it is so repetitive and boring. Um, it's fallen prey to that syndrome that I call collaborative competition, which is where everybody in a sector competes with everyone else in the sector by doing exactly the same thing everyone else in the sector is doing. And it's tanking. Its old world order business model has been destroyed by the advent of free porn online, and it hasn't invented a new one. Now, every dynamic that I've just cited is also true of the music industry, of publishing, of journalism, of television, of every single industry you can name. It's just the way they manifest in porn is more controversial and distressing. And so I have to explain to people that the explosive growth in extreme violent porn is not driven by evil, twisted, malignant, vicious forces at work within the porn industry. It is not driven by, oh my God, we've all become more depraved and corrupt as human beings. It's driven by, <coughs> very boringly and prosaically, a bunch of guys scared shitless because they're not making any money, doing what bunches of guys scared shitless not making money do in any industry, which is playing it safe. Oh, look, they're all making that stuff over there. That must be what makes money. Let's do that too. Oh, look, they're all doing that. We should do that as well. As in washing powder, so in porn. Mm -hmm. And so the answer to everything that worries people about porn is not to shut down, censor, clamp down, block, repress. It's to open up. Open up the dialogue in the way that I and my team are setting out to do with Make Love Not Porn. Open up to welcoming, supporting and funding entrepreneurs who want to disrupt the world of sex and porn for the better. Open up to allowing people like me and my team to do business on the same terms and conditions as everybody else. I concepted Make Love Not Porn because I knew that 
if I wanted to create a counterpoint to Porner's default sex education, I'd have come up with an idea that has the potential to be as mass, as mainstream, and as all-pervasive in our society today as porn currently is. And, you know, I, I, I quote, um, I paraphrase, um, the head of the NRA's famous quote about gun control, the only thing that stops a bad guy with a business is a good guy with a better business. That's what we're doing. Mm -hmm. That's very true. And I think one of the things that you said that was so compelling to me was that the opportunity is there. It's just a lot of the business people that don't want to get involved in it. And anybody that can't see the opportunity that's there, I mean, it... It's almost a joke that the internet is for porn, quote-unquote, because there is just so much pornography on it. Yet it's so separate from everything that we do. Like, the fact that a lot of pornography websites have social media sharing buttons is a joke. But yet, um, everybody knows it is there, everybody's doing it, and making it uh, a simple extension of somebody's relationship like you're doing with Make Love Not Porn just seems like a natural evolution once we're able to remove that that shame and embarrassment that exists with it. And getting rid of the power of sites like revenge porn and stuff is, is so important to just building a better society in general. And so that's why I think it's so important what you're doing. And yet, Dan, my team and I fight a battle to build this business every single day. Every piece of business infrastructure any other startup can take for granted. We can't because the small print always says no adult content. It took me two years to get MakeLoveNotPorn.tv funded. Very ironic. I should have been every VC's wet dream, literally. I have an idea enabled by technology designed to disrupt a sector worth billions of dollars in a way that is both socially beneficial and potentially very financially lucrative. But because that sector is porn and the social benefit is the sexuality, no VC would come near me. After two years of pitching my heart out, I eventually found one angel investor who got it, put up a small amount of seed funding to enable us to build the platform. I closed on that funding. I then could not get my hands on the actual money for two months because I couldn't find a single bank here in America that would allow me to open a business bank account for a business that has the word porn in its name, even though our name is Make Love Not Porn, and that does what we do. I still can't. I can't find a bank anywhere in the world that wants my business. Our single biggest operational challenge has been putting our payments infrastructure in place. Because we're adult content, PayPal won't work with us. Amazon won't. Mainstream credit card processors won't. Even something as seemingly simple as finding an email partner to send our membership emails out with, we went through five or six who wouldn't touch us because we're adult content. And so um, one of the things I realized um, I had to do was to pave my own way because um, our single biggest barrier on Make Love Not Porn is the social dynamic that I characterize as fear of what other people will think. It is never about what the person I'm talking to thinks. It's their perceived fear of what other people will think, which, by the way, is the most paralyzing dynamic in business and in life. So, you know, um, a young VC um, reached out to me last year. He saw me speak at a tech conference. He was, quote, blown away. We met up. Um, he get, totally gets make love, not porn. He loves it. But he said to me, at the end of the day, it's not about what I think. It's about what every other partner in my firm will think and what every investor in our fund will think. And so we have to break down the social barriers, 
that we're out to break down anyway in order to scale and grow our business. And so, you know, I'm effectively in the Steve Jobs business of reality distortion. If reality tells me I cannot scale and grow my business to a billion dollar business, which by the way, I fully intend to, then I'm going to change reality. And that's why, you know, I'm doing a whole tranche of additional work in order to demonstrate to the tech community how enormously investable, fundable and start-upable this whole area is, you know, which is why, you know, I lobbied New York Tech Meetup for a year to allow me on the stage at one of their monthly demo nights in order to introduce and host sex tech demos. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a bit of a battle. Um, I had to sacrifice the opportunity to demo my own startup in the process. Um, but I was very pleased that um, back on Tuesday, February 4th, um, as you saw, um, I was able to give a talk from the New York Tech Meetup stage on why the next big thing in tech is changing the world through sex and to introduce my friends Colin Hodge, the founder of Down, and Dima Teo, the founder of Vibes, to demo um, their startups. And um, we brought the house down. Um, the Twitter top line was best New York Tech Meetup ever. Sex tech is now my new passion. Um, and hopefully sex tech demos are welcome on the New York Tech Meetup stage from here on in. Um, I am on the advisory board of Social Media Week New York, and the organizers are big supporters of um, our mission. And so I curated a track at Social Media Week New York on changing the world through sex, <coughs> where I organized um, Sex Tech Shark Tank, where... <coughs> Sorry, I'm going to have to take lots of water here. Yeah, no problem. I organized Sex Tech Shark Tank, where um, a, a series of <coughs> sex tech entrepreneurs demoed their ventures to a lineup of VCs and investors. Um, I organized a panel called No Adult Content, where I and other entrepreneurs in this area talked about our problems getting banked, getting funded, putting payment systems in place. And by the way, every one of those is a disruptive business opportunity in itself. You know, the bank that banks people like us, um, the payment system that works with us stands to clean up. Um, I organized a panel called Designing Intimate Interfaces, which my co-founder, Uni Chase, who's our user experience designer, was on. Because when you design user experiences in this most intimate area of people's lives, it's a whole different ballgame. I presented Eat24's terrific case study, How to Advertise on a Porn Website. And I organized a panel called Changing the World Through Sex and Popular Culture. Because part of the issue here is the lack of honest, authentic portrayals of sex in Hollywood, in television, music videos, advertising, magazines. And so we had a panel with people from those industries talking about the need to be more honest and open there. And so I'm essentially constantly working to to prove um, to the tech and business community that not only is it critically important for society that we open up around sex in these areas, it's also enormously beneficial, not just socially, but also financially. Oh, my God, the money to be made. And the money to be made in two areas, the second one of which never occurs to anybody because nobody thinks it's possible. First of all, obviously, the money to be made out of sex. We all have it. We all enjoy it. Session proof. Market never goes away. But secondly, the money to be made out of socially acceptable sex. When you do, as I and my team are setting out to do, you make real-world sex socially acceptable and socially shareable. You potentially double, triple, quadruple the returns you can make when you normalize people feeling really okay about publicly buying into your products and services and publicly sharing, recommending, and badging themselves as brand ambassadors. Mm -hmm. 
And I have to say that I've been on the email list for Make Love Not Porn after seeing your TED uh, talk, and I love those emails. I love exploring the website. Oh, and good. I'm so glad. Yeah, and I've, I've also – I was at the New York Tech meetup, like you said, and I just was – also blown away by the presentation and the two startups are especially the Vibe's vibrator which mm-hmm. is a tech connected vibrator and one of the coolest possible features that i saw was how the vibrating can connect to a story so as somebody is listening or reading a story the vibrations match what they're reading which is just yep. ingenious and it it seems yep. like well duh that's obviously how it should work but it it blows your mind that it doesn't exist yet yeah. So the question that I have for you is you're talking about how we need to change people's minds and specifically how you were saying it's not what the individual thinks. It's what everybody around them thinks. Do you feel like you're making progress in that regard? Are we moving forward there? I'm very happy to say, Dan, that, that, that we believe we are. So, you know, at a little over a year old in public beta, um, um, as of today, Make Love Not Porn has 246,000 members. Um, we are taking in revenue every month, um, not a huge amount, but in the tens of thousands of dollars. So in a world where the received wisdom is nobody pays for porn, they're paying for real world sex. A number of our Make Love Not Porn stars are making four figures at each payout. We are the answer to the economy, by the way. Um, we're getting shed loads of media coverage all around the world without doing one single bit of media outreach. Um, and we are seeing the social and business dynamics absolutely moving um, in the right direction. Um, and, and, you know, that's great because for us, success is a self-fulfilling prophecy. You know, our angel investor asked me um, when he put up the money originally, um, what's our exit strategy? And I said to him, our exit strategy doesn't exist yet. If we achieve what we're setting out to do, what that means is that in 10 years' time, huge company X will buy us who wouldn't even remotely consider it today. And, and we are absolutely seeing um, those, um, t- you know, th- th- those barriers gradually, um, um, I believe, um, um, being broken down. Um, that The more we continue and the more we're out there, people can understand what it is that we're doing. I'm all about communication through demonstration. And that's why you know, I'm so pleased that Make Love Not Porn has brought to me many other entrepreneurs who've said, we've seen the trail you're blazing. We want to start up something to do with sex. And um, I believe that the more and more of us there are um, collaborating, um, the more we persuade the business and the tech community um, that this is something they really have to overcome their entrenched resistance to. And incidentally, um, uh, in amongst those thousands of emails that I've gotten for Make Love Not Porn um, when I first launched MakeLoveNotPorn.com were much to my surprise when this first began happening. Um, a lot of emails from people in the porn industry, specifically Generation Y in porn, millennials, because Gen Y in porn is like Gen Y anywhere else. They're entrepreneurial, they're ambitious, they're questioning and challenging the old world order and they want to be a part of the new. And so I found that 20-something porn stars and porn directors are reaching out to me say we love make love not porn we want to help and so i have a lot of friends in the porn industry the porn industry by the way is very interested in supporting what i'm doing no one's tried to disrupt it um, 
really in a very long time and my friends are helping me with um my venture and so we have a category as you'll know on make love not porn where porn stars get to post the sex they have off camera in the real world because porn stars have real world sex too that is completely different from the sex they have on camera my gay porn star friends my lesbian porn star friends my straight porn star friends are all sharing the sex they have in their real world relationships and talking openly about how different that is from what they do as a performance and um I want to help the porn industry. You know, I want to help them understand you can invent a new disruptive business model and you can leverage human sexuality entertainment in a whole new way. And so I already know what my next venture will be if um, we can get Make Love Not Porn to do what we want it to do, which is do a lot of good and make a lot of money. I want to start an incubator accelerator for radically innovative sex and porn tech startups. I want to be the Y combinator of sex. Because my young friends in the porn industry have great ideas. They're creating their own content. There is nobody in that world to mentor, coach, advise, and finance. Just as with the young entrepreneurs who come to me with sex tech ventures, they all face the same problems. They can't get funded. They can't put payment systems in place. And by the way, a tiny injection of cash into radically innovative sex and porn startups will produce returns way beyond what Silicon Valley can even dream of. And I think one of the best examples of how I, I think that we are getting better in that regard and the stigma is going down is I remember uh, a few years ago when James Dean, which is the male adult store, uh, star, kind of he did a movie with Lindsay Lohan and he was in the news a little bit. And it just it turned out that everybody that knows him loved him just uh, in one way or another. And it was so interesting to me to see that somebody who made himself famous in the adult industry was not only known, but people were willing to admit they were totally okay with being like, yeah, this guy is hilarious. It's funny. And I, it's just a, a subtle move of the needle that I definitely see, as you were saying, going in the correct direction. But I wanted to ask you, what can people do in order to help the stigma? Because entrepreneurs can create new ventures in the adult space or, or relating to the adult space. But how, how can every, anybody listening to this that, wants to, that agrees with what you're saying and they, they want to make a difference, help make a difference? Well, I'm very glad you asked me that, Dan, because I ask for help all the time. I have no pride. <laughs> um, this venture is so extraordinarily difficult. It's such, it's such a battle every day that everywhere I go, I ask for help. So here are the you know, various ways um, in which anybody listening to this can help. I mean, first of all, you know, I would ask very directly, anybody who supports our mission with Make Love Not Porn, please join makelovenotporn.tv, rent videos, um, you can also donate, um, by the way, because we had a number of members reach out to us and say, I really want to support what you're doing. I don't necessarily want to rent videos, but I'd love to give you money in some form or other. Um, and so we have a, a support button um, on our homepage so people can, can donate money to us and we'd love them to. Um, please also contribute content. We would love people to submit their real world sex videos. You know, the, the more content we have, the better we get as a platform. Um, and then, you know, um, we would love um, help... I mean, first of all, you know, what is very frustrating is, you know, I talked earlier about, you know, the tremendous amount of traction we've gained. You know, we have proof of concept. In theory, at this stage, we will be perfectly positioned to raise a Series A round of funding. In practice, nobody will touch us because we're about sex. And, you know, um, VC's institutional investment, um, I accept, is, is close to us. Um, 
uh, um, in the case of angel investors, um, other startups can target. Other startups can go. Oh, so and so has you know publicly said that they're 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 interested in investing in clean tech. So and so has a portfolio that demonstrates that this is what they're interested in investing in. Sex is the area where you cannot tell from the outside what somebody feels on the inside. And so I put Make Love Not Porn out there all the time. I do every media interview I'm asked asked, asked to do. I promote us constantly because I have to rely on something I put out there connecting with somebody and resonating with them who will then reach out to me. That's the only way that's going to happen. So, you know, I would say if anybody, you know, knows of anyone who might be at all interested in funding us, we'd love to talk to them. Um, Because of this difficulty, I'm looking for lateral and creative sources of funding. And so I'm actively looking for brands and companies and businesses and organizations who will pay to partner with us. Um, I'm looking for um, brands specifically in three areas. Any brand whose own business growth is forever inhibited unless the social barriers we're out to break down are broken down for them. So that's any brand in the area of sexual health and well-being generally. Um, The second area is youth brands, brands who target young people who realize that we should be their version of youth corporate social responsibility. Because if you're focused on the happiness and well-being of young people, this is the area that affects the happiness and well-being more than any other. And the third area is media brands, brands who see the content, publishing, licensing, spin-off opportunities of what we're doing, Um, especially because further down the road, a revenue stream for us is data. We have the potential to be the Kinsey of today. Real world, real time, real life, human sexual behavior, catch and aggregate in a way that nobody else is doing. Um, and, and, and by the way, in an area where that is notoriously research and data free for all the reasons I've outlined, you know, nobody wants to fund the comm score of sex and, and where there is the biggest gap in research between what people say and what people actually do. And we're all about what people actually do. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, at a very practical level, um, I would love to hear from anybody who owns a bank. Um, because that's the level I need to go in at. Uh-huh. Anybody who owns a payment processor, anybody who um, is innovating in the area of payment processing. And, and I should just explain here that given all our difficulties, I got so frustrated. I said to my co-founder and CTO, Corey Innes, we're trying to invent the future of porn. We need to talk to anybody inventing the future of money. We need to find the people as frustrated as we are with the old world order system of finance, money, payments um, from a different perspective, because, you know, those are the people that we want to work with. So we researched the entire landscape of fintech startups. But what we found was that the new world order of money still has to subscribe to old world order legislation. The small print still says no adult content. And so I had to reach out to the founders. which is how we come to working with Ben Milne of Dwalla, who's fantastic. He and his team are big supporters, but unfortunately, they're only US-based at the moment, and we're a global platform. We need global payment solutions. Patrick Collison of Stripe is a big fan. His bank isn't. Um, Stripe can't work with us because of the no adult content clause. And so anybody operating or innovating um, in payment processing who can work with us, we would love to talk to, because that would just make our lives um, so much easier. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, we are we are desperate for help on any possible front because every obstacle an entrepreneur with a tech startup encounters have a tech startup dealing with sex, you can triple them. 
Mm-hmm. And it's amazing to me that you have a business that is profitable, uh, an industry that you can prove is just going to yield high, high returns, and you just can't get these people to work with yep. you. Yep. But um, I think, no, and, yeah. and Dan, it's so frustrating because, you know, if we could use PayPal, you know, if we could use Stripe, um, we would double our income overnight without doing anything else. You know, um, th- um, what, uh, what, what I had to do was um, I had to, you know, to, um, register Make Love Not Pawns a company in Europe to work with a European payments partner who hooked us up with the European bank where we're in the high risk of it. Um, it, it um, there are so many workarounds and so many fees and, 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 and barriers involved in all of that. Um, that that also is a massive business impediment for us that other startups don't have to wrestle with. And the enormous irony is, you know, when, you know, when I was, you know, trying to get funding, trying to get help from, you know, um, older people in the VC business and the banking business, what I really wanted to say to them was, I talk to your daughters, I sleep with your sons. I know exactly how this plays out in the real world. Mm -hmm. If you want your children to be happy, you need to be supporting what I'm doing, and nobody will. You know, we're doing this for you and your children and your children's children. You know, this is why I say the next big thing in tech is changing the world through sex. This, This entire area has an enormously profound impact on everybody. It's a global issue. Um, and, and, and with that comes enormous business potential. And yet, and yet nobody will help us. Mm-hmm. And all those workarounds that you're doing, it, it, at one point it's just a, a pain and it's crazy that you have to do that. But you're also, you're blazing away for other people. So if they want to get into the space, they can see what you're doing, the kind of tactics where you've learned from and kind of, they have inspiration to know that it, it can be done, simply that you can't exist. And hopefully at some point soon, you're going to get that, that person, you're going to find them that actually believes in it and wants to fund you and kick this off. And this is just going to be huge. So I'm hoping, I'm hoping you can do that because it sounds like if you just you find that right match, it's just this can explode. Yep. I mean, no, no, absolutely, Dan. I say to my team, we just have to keep going. Mm-hmm. We just have to keep going and the tipping points will come. You know, that first investor who puts their hand up and says, I'm proud to fund this, everybody else will fall in behind. That first celebrity who shares their real world sex, because we want to be the future of celebrity sex tapes in a good way, you know, everybody else will, will, will fall in behind. And so, um, you know, we're determined, you know, however long it takes. And, you know, this is very demoralizing. It's very demotivating. I've rarely had moments where I've thought, I, I can't keep doing this. I just want to give up. And then I get another one of those heart-rending emails. Um, and, you know, people write to us, our members write to us and say, thank God you exist. You know, um, it's our members in our community that keeps us going. Um, and as I said, it, said it, um, when I introduced my Changing the World Through Sex track at Social Media Week New York the other week, I said, you know, this is the start of a dialogue that we just want to grow and grow and grow and it's also the start of a community that we want to grow and grow and grow you know in the same way that communities exist in tech for every other area you know the sex tech community is just as important because what we're doing um, can have such a profound impact on the lives and the happiness of every single person in this world mm-hmm. I want to briefly talk uh, about the New York Tech Meetup again and that, that little section that you did, the adult section. You you introduced the two startups at the New York Tech Meetup, which was Down and Vibes. So I wanted yep. to ask you how you get involved in uh, businesses like this and what you kind of see as your role and involvement with other people innovating in this space. 
Right. So, so first of all, um, um, Dan, I, I want to be very clear in that I want to help everybody, but I and my team are drowning in workload stress and startup hell. I bet. And so, and so, you know, um, I can't, I can't work on anybody else's venture. But what I can do is. Um, as part of us paving our own way, I can give them a platform and I can help make them visible. And so, you know, in the case of um, Down, which started off as Bang With Friends, you know, Bang With Friends was released anonymously a year ago. I thought it was a fantastic idea. I tweeted it and the founders reached out to me and they said, we're huge fans of Make Love Not Poor. We want to collaborate. And so I talked to them and I really liked where they were coming from. And, and that was why, you know, I wanted to get them on the stage of New York Tech Meetup. Um, in the case of Vibees, um, the same thing. Um, I thought Vibees was wonderful. I tweeted it. Dima reached out to me. Um, people in the Singapore tech community where he's based have been saying to him, apparently, you know, you should talk to Cindy because, you know, you're operating in this area. And so, you know, we Skyped. And again, you know, I think he's got a fantastic concept, fantastic product, and I wanted to help him any way I can. And so, you know, I, um, um, it's very difficult because every day I get loads of 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 messages um, from all sorts of entrepreneurs by the way asking me for for free advice free feedback free help i can't do that um i have to support myself by the way by doing paid consultancy work and so that's the only kind of consulting work i can do but um where i can you know i want to create platforms within the tech community for all of these ventures and to really show people how many of us there are what great things we're doing and how enormously important it is to help support and fund and start up ventures in this area so that all of us can really change the world through sex together mm-hmm. and that's so important and kind of to wrap all of this together. If somebody out there that's listening to this has an idea for a product or a service or a website within that relates to the adult industry or the adult sector, what sort of advice would you give them? Right. Um, and by the way, Dan, um, seriously, um, I want us to stop talking about the adult industry and okay. the adult sector. We're all adults. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, that's an artificial distinction. You know, we're talking about sex tech as just another aspect of tech, mm-hmm. you know. And, um, and so this, is, this isn't, um, you know, the adult industry. This isn't the adult sector. This is something that is of benefit to all of us. But it has to do with sex, which is, you know, obviously does make, make things more difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, the single most important piece of advice I can give is a piece of advice that I give to entrepreneurs in this area all the time and also to people who are doing interesting things in porn. And that advice is take yourself out of the shadows because people operating this area unconsciously internalize society's disapproval. And um, what I mean by that is along this very difficult journey that I and my team are having, various Very well-meaning, nice people say to me on a regular basis, Cindy, why don't you just change the name of your company? Call it something different. Take the word porn out of it. Innocuous holding company name, doing business as, it'll make your life so much easier. I refuse to do that. And there are some practical reasons why I refuse to, but the primary reason is principle. Because when you concept a venture around existing societal bias and prejudice, All you do is reinforce it. I refuse to bow to existing bias and prejudice. I'm out to change it. And so, you know, a young woman came to see me a couple of years ago, a young entrepreneur who wanted to start up a venture, quite a few of these, um, redesigning sex toys. So she was telling me about her venture. 
And she said at one point, and the thing is that people are really embarrassed to be seen buying sex toys. And so, you know, we're going to package them like this, send them out like this. And I went, okay, hold it right there. You need to go right back to the beginning and reconcept your venture from the ground up. Because you need not to be saying to me, people are really embarrassed to be seen buying sex toys. You need to say to me, we're going to make people not embarrassed to be seen buying sex toys. And so my advice to every entrepreneur is, you know, do what we're doing with Make Love Not Porn, operate right out in the open, operate completely normally, be loud and proud about what you're doing, because that's the way you make sex socially acceptable and socially shareable. When you normalize a dialogue around all of this, you make it much easier for people to join in the conversation and to buy into whatever it is you're doing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, thank you. That, that's so important, and it's such an important point. And thank you so much for being a guest on the show and st- sharing your story. Um, absolute pleasure, Dan. Thoroughly enjoyed the chance to do so. Thank you for tuning in. And as you can see, Cindy is just doing amazing, amazing stuff. And I respect her so, so much. And if you have any ideas about the adult sector or anything, you should definitely follow through do it let's destroy this stigma and let's actually take advantage of this opportunity now if you've enjoyed this episode please go into itunes rate it review it helps me out a lot and i will see you guys next week enjoy enjoy